This episode of How to Save the World is sponsored by Atik, a New Zealand zero-waste beauty company on a mission to rid the world of plastic waste. Check them out at atik.co.nz. That's Atik, E-T-H-I-Q-U-E. Welcome to How to Save the World. Uh, we've got a special treat today. It's uh, personal investigation time. Our personal sins aired before you. Hey, Tim. It's a confessional episode. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Doesn't feel very comfortable. We are looking at flying today. We are. Aviation and all of its ills environmentally. And holy smokes, this is way worse than I thought. <laughs> I keep saying that for different things, but this one genuinely, oof. Is that because you've got a personal... Um... I've been doing so much flying in the last, like, three years, so I feel very bad about that. But also, I just didn't... It's one... I I even felt this... There's a lot of academic studies on this, right? So I've done a bit of research on this. Not enough, but a bit. And there's a lot of academic stuff to to glean, but there's not a lot of popular articles or videos. This isn't being talked about in the general population very much yet i think there's Mm. the odd article that pops up yeah every few years like on the guardian or something saying hey everyone (laughs) flying's really bad i had never paid it much mind until now so we're gonna yeah for me i'm coming from the other end of it where i have been aware that it's it's quite a big one and it's just sat there like a guilty little pleasure that mm. I haven't been wanting to give up. And so I guess like before I started the Zero Waste and I had that sort of that niggle, that feeling of just like, oh, this isn't right. And it took a wee while for me to uh, make some different choices and stuff. And with flying, that's sort of how it feels still. It's a part of my sustainability journey that I haven't. I know it's sitting there, it's a niggle, and I don't want to give it up. Yeah, I hear you. And I know if I had more money, I'd do more flying. Yeah. Like, that's that's really what's constraining it. Absolutely. Just like drinking in my 20s. It was... <laughs> Your capacity's <laughs> gone down. <laughs> so, well, that's, yeah. There's a lot of stats that I've got on, on a couple of bits of paper in front of me, but I'll try and make the broader points rather than swimming in numbers and stuff. But one of the, this is one of the big problems is that there has been some efficiency gains in the way that we fly, or rather the companies that actually do the flying, how they're designing the planes. And um, I think more specifically, there's been some gains around the sides and how they're organizing passengers and freight. So they've gotten more efficient. Yeah. But... Aviation yeah, has exploded in terms of how many people are flying and how much flying those people are doing. Mm. Um, it's gone way up. So it's it's completely any efficiency gains that we've had have completely been soaked up. Which is kind by of the increase yeah, in it, people flying. It's the way it goes, eh? With with technology, it's the same with um, our the efficiencies we've had in the way we can light homes or whatever they're not getting translated through to actual games it's usually around the other way because as things get cheaper it becomes more or more efficient therefore more cheaper therefore more accessible therefore we do it more yeah exactly but like Air New Zealand would be a good example. It's worth giving those guys a shout out. They've won the most sustainable airline in the world award yeah which is awesome uh which kind of is still worth, like, it's kind of your point, um, you know, they'd be the first to say it, that it makes them the the, the least the unsustainable yeah. airline in the world, you know, uh, it's uh, as opposed to being sustainable. 
it's quite a tricky thing as well because the more I've dug through this, I've um, found a bunch of stuff that, you know, running an airline, apparently the margins are not high oh, that's at true. all on profitability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's obviously huge amounts of turnover and so many more people are flying now than ever before, but it's such an incredibly competitive industry. And the, yeah, as I say, the margins aren't very high. Mm. Um, so one of the features that kept coming up again and again on things we need to change is the fact that aviation fuel is generally either taxed very lowly or not at all. So it gives it an unfair competitive advantage against other modes of transport like train, like high-speed rail. Um, But even when gas prices go up and down, it really affects the profitability of airlines um, because they don't have these massive margins to soak it up. But um, before we drill into that, we should probably talk about what actually, what are the emissions that are created out of flying, right? Sure, let's do that. So the things that airplanes are emitting as they're burning off fuel incompletely is carbon dioxide, uh, water vapor, which is fine, um, uh, hydrocarbons, which are bad, carbon monoxide, which is bad, nitrogen oxides, sulfur oxides, lead and black carbon. So a lot of very bad stuff. They also sound bad. Yeah, very nasty things. And this makes sense when you think about it, but it's not just that they're burning these um, chemicals off, but there is a far increased effect on what they're having on the atmosphere because they're being burned at high altitude. Yes. it's um, And then there's this sort of fast frying analogy where – because of that makeup, that chemical makeup, which is quite different to say what your car's emitting, uh, you can say, well, the impacts of flying are depending on whether you're saying the impact over the next few years for those emissions or whether you're saying the next 20 or 30 years. Um, it's a kind of a the, – the sorts of things that, the, that we're emitting when we fly are the things that actually have a huge impact right now uh, and they won't be quite as um, – impactful as CO2 on the whole over a longer period of time. So what that means is that if you are, say, cooking something and you've got the option of putting in a slow cooker, that's kind of what the CO2 does. But flying is like kind of putting it in a frying pan and cooking it really hot. Right. Which With these other chemicals that aren't CO2 that are being emitted. Yeah, that's right. right. And so it means that... Um, it could put us over our tipping points as a planet just because it's it's so intense right now. So yeah. I think that actually, even though they're saying the longer-term effects of flying aren't as bad as what some of the other methods are, um, I think we've got an issue right now that we need to be really aware of, that this this intensity of the types of chemicals we're releasing are like mega impactful right now. Yeah, and I mean, to go back to that... Uh um, phenomenon of they're having an increased effect due to the altitude. There's an example that I found here from a study. So um, a New York to LA flight, so the two coasts of the US, um, that flight produces 715 kg of CO2, but burned at that altitude, it's doing the equivalent damage of 1,900 kg. Gosh, so I'm it's hopeless more, with numbers. Can you, yeah, what, was that like double? double? It's right, more right. than double. So it's more than double the amount of um, impact that CO2 would have if it was burned here. That's funny. It's, it is actually like drinking on a plane, isn't it? Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. It is. It's a perfect analogy I wonder for if it. it's the same science kicking in. Well, I guess it's sort of a I've no idea. vaguely anaerobic kind of a, a thing. So, yeah, maybe. 
Don't know. Don't know. I'm no scientist. <laughs> um, but this the increases that have been going for a while are pretty freaky. Uh, at the moment, it's a, and this number changed a little bit depending on where I saw, but it looks like um, scientists and researchers have settled around 4 to 5% of total greenhouse gas emissions mm-hmm. come from aviation globally, um, which is huge. 4 to 5% might not sound like a lot when you kind of just say it, but that is just one industry, yeah, just one, one action, one activity. thing yeah. um, that's accounting for yeah 4 to 5% of total greenhouse um, gas emissions, and that's compared to for e- energy production, which we all, you know, it's, it's the worst, dirtiest, worst thing is like eight percent. So it's not that far off. Wow! Um, wow. Energy production. Wow! Yeah. The, the irony of this, in the back of my mind, is um, my nan, who was born in 1912, before I had ever heard anybody talking about climate change, it would have been the 90s when actually people were talking about climate change but I hadn't heard them um my nan used to she was a very elderly lady by that stage she used to look out the window when she saw a plane go past and she would literally go <laughs> and she'd say oh those planes they're changing the weather <laughs> broken clock you know <laughs> man it's it's just so weird how how it turned. It's basically turned out to be true. Yeah, like that was a very that was a very it was prescient, incredibly left field. Yeah, silly old nan thing to say. <laughs> but and, oh, she was right. Yeah, there's a weird. I keep seeing it get brought up on the internet, and I think it's the Wanganui Chronicle or Tribute or something from like the twenties, from the nineteen twenties. And there's an article about how all of this coal burning is um, going to change the climate because it's... What? Yeah, like they've complete... They, in this little... Art, it's just this little article. They completely predicted what would happen in the 20s. Wow. They were like, this will increase the amount of um, gases that will trap heat on Earth and change the climate. And we can expect to see this within 50 years. And it was like, yeah, bang on. Wow. <laughs> no one was listening. Wow, yeah. And um, they just seem they just seem like... Cuckoo, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some, back then. Yeah, some yeah. tiny. Because who would have thought? Uh, well, I'm digressing, but who would have thought that we could have changed the climate? I know it seems, um, yeah, like completely yeah, impossible it that it could have yeah, been come done. On, Nan. Um, flying is going up by almost five percent every single year in terms of the amount of aviation that's happening, and it's expected to continue to do so until 2034 at least. So, like for another, you know, 15 years. Um, there, so, in other words, there's no end in sight to the increase no, in there, flying. Uh, yeah, I, 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 the way we're going at the moment. I, 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 even just like how you feel, I guess, to take it back to a personal level, over the last ten years, like I feel like the expectations have shifted all around us. It used to be going overseas was something that you'd do if you were wealthy yeah um, or, or a really special occasion yeah totally um and now it, it, it you see ads in winter it's a classic mm. um saying oh you know go go somewhere warm yeah um treat yourself you deserve to have a bit of a break and, and it's they... just so much cheaper than it used to be yeah Fly, like particularly international flying is just so much cheaper you uh, know what i'm itching to do but on. i know you've still got Fun statistics right. for us is I really want to know how much you've flown over the last uh, year or it's a lot. So Waveney made me do this calculator thing where I put in all my flights for the last twelve months. And I did to it too. State. You did it as well. Yeah. So for reference, I 
there was I think two maybe three international trips and quite a lot of domestic flying what's your number that it gave you for well, your emissions for me um, well firstly was I thought oh I've probably done about three return flights and I haven't left the country in the last 12 months and it's all basically Auckland Christchurch we used to live in Christchurch um, which is the situation so many people are in when they're half stuck between a place where they've got loved ones or whatever yeah. but anyway um and then I looked through my diary and realised I'd done six trips. So it was about double what I could remember. And funnily enough, uh, some of it was for, there was speaking at an environmental conference. There was the, a different time I went away for the permaculture conference. And just recently I've done um, tutoring a zero waste course. So half of my flying was for environmental reasons. Uh, and then the other half was just completely it's superfluous, not just work. some trips. Yeah, just fun, like mountain biking trip in South Island. Um, actually, this week, which I've just, oh, I can't believe it, like within a week of us recording this, I'm going to be flying to Napier for no reason other than to visit a friend. But that's normal. Yeah. That's what everyone's doing. This yeah, is the thing. Yeah. So what was your total? Okay, my total was 4.4 tonnes. That's a lot, eh? Yeah. Uh, well, oh, actually, Tim, sorry. I yeah. think that I no, sorry, because I, I got a bit carried away and I did my car footprint oh, yeah, as well. Say, yeah, that that's a bit high, isn't it? High, yeah, so it's actually about half that. So it's about it's about two point five. Two point five tons yeah. in one year, which is actually is quite interesting in terms of um, that those six flights, which is quite short haul, really short yeah. haul, um, is about half of all of my. Your um, whole carbon yeah, footprint. Yeah, exactly. Well, for, for transport. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I've fessed up. So mine for uh, just flights was just under nine tons. Well, that's not too bad. It's pretty bad. I thought it was going to be like really like 50 well, or something. To be honest, so, the year okay. before that probably would have been even worse than that. But so nine, that's, that's nine three times. international flights. I think it was, maybe it was two, but yeah. I think it was three. Yeah. 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 And a lot, quite a lot of domestic flights as well. Maybe six or seven of those. So I, there are two things for me that came up when I was thinking about this episode. One was how, um, how I can't, Visualize. I can't. I have no idea what a ton of how gas. Do we think, how do we weighs think about nine or, or, tons? Or, yeah, or like two I, so, I have no idea around that. And the other was sort of around how we um, offset it, I guess, and yeah. the, the expense to do with each ton of of, of emissions. So I do, I've done a couple of little um, what would you call them like colourful statistics or you know the things that create pictures in our minds and just to think through for a start when you think of air you think of it like not weighing anything right yeah and uh, I was thinking about how water is actually really heavy but when we're in water when we're swimming it makes us feel lighter so actually um, air does have weight if it didn't have any weight at all we'd actually feel heavier Okay. Does that make sense? Kinda. So it's oh, it's kind of carrying us. So okay. a ton of air is roughly about what would be in a home, a house. Ah, oh, okay. So yeah, so just sort Volumetrically, of volumetrically. Yeah, yeah. A, one a house contains a ton yeah, of air. Yeah, roughly, roughly about a ton of air. 
Whoa. So that, for me, so I've never heard anyone... nine houses worth of just carbon dioxide into the atmosphere from just well, yeah, flying. Yeah, because it's um, a... It's a ton of greenhouse gas as opposed to like actual atmosphere, which so our atmosphere has got. It's like 99% all of the, well, the neutral stuff and the stuff that we breathe in it. All of those greenhouse gases are, are well less than 1%. So if you, <laughs> that, so you have to sort of times everything out yeah. by at least whatever it is, 99% or whatever. That's not right. By 100. You times it out by 100 if it's 1%. Okay, thanks. So it's the weight. That's um, but I like that. So it's a well, I hate it, but it's a good, useful um visual. So it's a house full, mm. a house full of bad gas is yeah. one ton, yeah, roughly, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Um, not cool. No. The problem is right with flying is there doesn't seem to be a lot of kind of alternative. There's a lot of things that you can you can do alternatives for, right? So like, oh, tell me about it. Like with zero waste stuff or veganism. It's yeah. like there's so many other things that you can eat. You can eat differently. You can get different packaging and stuff. Particularly, we are in New Zealand, which is an island nation that is very far is this, from this, everywhere else. Yes, it's a huge topic for us as New Zealanders because we are isolated yeah. if we don't fly. And I think it shifts our whole mentality. If Absolutely. we take flying off the picture, it's like... Yeah, Who it's a are we? Yeah, because a, a lot of the things I was reading and and uh, some videos that I was watching was centered around uh, some Americans, but a lot of Europeans. So it seems like the Europeans and particularly Swedish people have really taken to this more this this um, idea of the harm of aviation than anyone else. And I guess that can make sense because it's it's one of those things where like. Uh, it's like if you worked in the coal industry, you will switch yourself off to the reality of how harmful it is. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're in it. And I feel like we're in New Zealand, we almost feel like it's completely necessary for our quality of life to fly yeah. overseas yeah. every now and then. So we will switch ourselves off and be less receptive to the damage of aviation. Whereas in Europe, they actually do have viable options. So for holidays, they can get on trains and yeah. go other places. Yeah. It, and it does take a bit longer. But the environmental impact of trains, and I didn't look into this like really at all, but is so it's just fractions. It's a it's a fraction of um of air travel. I remember somebody saying that if everybody in New Zealand who had the word environmental or environmentalist in their job title actually caught the train from Auckland to Wellington instead of flying, yeah. uh, things would be a lot better than they are. Yeah. But it's it's a hard one catching the train here. Um, you know, just if we're looking at that Auckland Wellington hall, it, yeah. it takes like a full and day half, and half it's our, really expensive. Half our governments keep selling Kiwi Rail and then we buy it back when another government comes in, which creates this very dysfunctional, expensive utility yeah, that yeah, keeps yeah. swapping hands all the time. And then as 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 consumers, we we love it. We love the idea of it, but we don't use it. I remember being really sad hearing that they were going to stop the, the line and, you know, I wouldn't. Oh, the Actually, Overlander or whatever it's called? Well, the, I can't remember now. It was a couple of years ago and they were yeah. talking about stopping the passenger service and then I don't think they did in the end. But maybe I they, they did. No. There was a big public uproar, yeah. so I think we kept it. Yeah. But high-speed rail seems like a very necessary part of this picture on the global scale. New Zealand's got some kind of unique typographical, to, topographical, typographical. typographical um, challenges to do with that because we've 
we're quite small but we've got a lot of mountains and things like that to get through which is tricky but we do have a rail network and we just need to make it work better but internationally and particularly in the states like high speed rail so needs to be a part of the picture of what they do going forward because the oh let me find this stat because this one was freaky oh but while we're talking about trains here's one uh so the swedes right they're actually um they seem to be driving their demand down for flying like consumer led so they've they've really Fantastic. got their A into G, and it's fallen four uh, percent year on year. And I think that was comparing twenty fifteen and sixteen. That is so amazing. Good on them. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. And um, train travel it was increasing a lot. I saw different numbers on that. So what would it take for us to get there in New Zealand? That is such a good question. I think. You've got to understand the problem, right? And I think even you and I doing a bit of research ahead of doing this episode, like I've got a way better picture of how damaging aviation is now. And I genuinely will be changing my behavior off the back of this and how, you know, I treat holidays and that sort of thing. Any any on-air commitments you're prepared to make there, Tim? I can't, I don't have like a firm rule-based <laughs> anything yet, but just like... Any challenges? It will so be in my head now to go, hey, for example... Um, my wife and I just took an amazing road trip in the South Island. We could have got, because it's winter, we could have easily like, you know, gone to somewhere else than Ireland or the Northern Hemisphere or something where it's warmer. But um, she hadn't seen like that West Coast of the South Island. I've only done it once. Um, and so we just, we admittedly did drive, which is not great. But, you know, in terms of the ranking of things, instead of going overseas, we went um, and just hired a car and did that. And it was absolutely like it was as if we were in the alps you know actually that is the irony because new zealand is an international tourist destination that's it and i think as good as it gets for so many people we yeah in terms of solutions and stuff for the global market i think trains are so important and in new zealand i really think we need to take a mental shift to go there's so much here like have you explored all of new zealand that's genius it's so um it's so much cheaper as well and kind of easier. If you try and eliminate plane travel out of it, then that's really good. So you, you would kind of swap out the time thing instead of doing an international flight for maybe getting a train. Um, that's good too. From Auckland to somewhere else or, or from, you know, anywhere. Mm. Um, and there's just so many different like zones in New Zealand. There's so many little areas. So, you know, if you want to do an alpine trip, you do the South Island, go to Wanaka and Queenstown. You can do all of that fun stuff. If you want to see, like, the most amazing beaches on earth, you can go to Northland and Mm. even, you know, Cape Ringa and Mm. up in the far north. And uh, if you don't live in Wellington, go there and hang out. It's a really cool city. Christchurch. I've just spent a week in Christchurch doing some gigs down there, and it's got all this incredible stuff going on. So there's, like, there's all these different flavoured little centres where you can hang out and just get out of town. Because often that's what you want in a holiday. You actually just want to be away from your home. It's so <laughs> you know? true. Yeah, just you don't so you're not getting caught up in um, all the t- domestic tasks that you can't help but see every time you look cast your eye around. Exactly. Yeah, but no, I think you're hitting on this, the marketing thing we get sucked into a bit or a lot. Yeah. Um, where... All the, the the New Zealanders are looking at the ads or having this sort of sense of oh away or an exotic destination yeah. to all these other places, and it's just in reverse. If you're in London or um, 
New York, the ads are for New Zealand, <laughs> yeah. and it looks like this. When you're over there and you see those ads, if you you know happen to come across a New Zealand billboard or something, you're just like, wow! And you have that <laughs> well, same sense of what an amazing exotic location. So funny you mentioned that because that was the whole genesis of this recent road trip in the South Island was that. Um, when my wife uh, did like a placement in Germany when she was doing her medical training, she was basically couch surfing um, in this guy's apartment with her friend. And uh, he recently came back to, he, well, he, he'd never been here actually. He came to Auckland. Mm. And um, so he invited a few of us for a drink and he had a bunch of his mates and they were sitting out in a van. And he was like, we're going to do the South Island, West Coast, where should we go? And both of my wife and I were like, Oh, we don't really know. And then we were quite embarrassed that we didn't know. And my wife sort of made a commitment. She was like, I've got to go and see yeah. <laughs> these bloody towns, these beautiful yeah. sounding towns. Yeah. Um, so that I actually know what I'm talking about. Because it's, so, it's like right yeah, on our doorstep. It's so funny. Good on you guys. Because it is. It's this It's this bizarre. It, the closer it is, the less exotic, exotic it feels. It, and, and it is a bit of BS. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't need to go international to... A, either get off the grid if that's what you desire or just to kind of get out of town because I think there is such a mental thing about you just leave your home but it doesn't mean you have to change your country necessarily. This episode is brought to you by Atik. Atik is a New Zealand natural beauty company that stopped over 3.3 million plastic bottles going to landfill. Wow. Wow. Their gorgeous hair, face and body wash products are mindfully packaged in biodegradable and compostable materials because Atik are dedicated to building a better world. Atik's products are all certified animal cruelty free. Yes. Made only of plant-based and vegan ingredients and they're kind to your wallet because they last two to five times longer than bottled beauty products. Get yourself or someone you care about some Atik today by going to atikworld.com and that's Atik, E-T-H... I-Q-U-E. It's French, I think. It's a real tricky one because I think there's sort of a whole social aspect of diversity and throwing yourself into other cultures and learning about other people and language and food and customs and all of the good things that come with that and the whole global melting pot thing. Um, I think we're going to have to rethink exactly how we get that done rather than plonking yourself in another place. Yeah, actually, I've thought about this before, how um, it's one of those things that I've got in the bag from traveling when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And it's something really, really precious to me, those memories. Yeah. And it's like, if you... If you're just having left school or whatever, you're in your 20s, say, listening to this, and you're, you're much more aware oh, of, totally. of the carbon footprint than what... I mean, I wasn't aware at all at that age. But also you haven't done your... No, well, that's what I mean. So yet. if you're, you're listening and you're that age and you're... It's like, it's all very well for me to be like, oh, yeah, I really want to make a commitment to just, you know, <laughs> checking out the South Island because I've yeah. already checked that all these cool places globally out. Yeah. Um, and it meant a lot to me and it was really awesome and that's the thing actually to, I, mean, I guess that comes down to my emotional response to this one it's like I f- have found it which is why I've done it I found it easier to give up plastic mm. or you know a big chunk of it than flying because flying is about connection it's about friendship like you know one of those trips was to celebrate my um, parents-in-law's 50th wedding anniversary yeah and it's just it's that yeah, like you say, it's that connection with people, whether it's your loved ones or whether it's actually just immersing yourself in different cultures and yeah. what you learn out of that. And 
I mean, it's incredible. So. And right now, there isn't really a substitute for that. You know, there's no. no I mean, if no you want to be hardcore, you can you can eat, as in um, go right. I'm not going to fly, but I still want those cultural experiences. I mean, you know, you're talking about that amazing sense of the exotic in the South Island um, or the Northland beaches, and you can have a cross cultural experience in our urban centres. Quite can. like if you wanted to go out of your way, it's it's not hard. It's right there. Yeah, but. You know, it's not the same. It's not. It's not exactly going to Japan and being downtown yeah, Tokyo yeah, with the no. neon lights and stuff. And if it, yeah, if it, oh, shall we jump to solutions for this? Or um, did, well, I just like got? to paint the darkest picture possible before okay, we go. move on. There was I, this is the fact I was trying to find before. Um, so, at the moment, the goal is to keep global temperature increases below two percent. Uh, sorry, two degrees centigrade, because that, mm. that, that's one of the tipping points that people talk about. Right now, aviation is on track to consume our entire emissions budget <gasps> by 2050. That's a good statistic. So, As in, you know, it, not good. But, yeah. Um, if, if we, if we want to keep to below two degrees C increase, which we need to do to kind of survive. really have a chance of surviving on the planet... Um, Man, that's full on. Aviation by 2050 will consume the entire budget what? for emissions. Man. And it's like, so I was, because I'm a big nerd, uh, I was kind of drilling into what, like, what is, why does this seem to be such an intractable problem? And despite the fact that flying has gotten more and more efficient over time, there have been no dramatic increases. Jet engines, as it turns out, are actually super efficient when they're going full throttle. Yeah. Um, really efficient but they're doing a lot of work obviously they're moving tons of cargo and passengers through the air huge distances so number one there's just a lot of energy being expelled because there's a lot of work in the physics sense of the word being done but number two the other issue is they're very efficient when they're going full throttle but they're often not um so when you are throttling up throttling down or cruising it's it's not going anywhere near its max efficiency so i actually i watched a ted hmm. talk um a tedx talk by a guy uh the tedx was in christchurch he was a kiwi dude i'm not sure where he's based um but he and his company have developed this unique new design for a jet engine which um if i've understood it correctly kind of splits the jet engine into two parts and it makes sure that the the jet engine part of it is going full throttle all the time, and it can get that other work that's being done to go through an electric motor to basically store that energy for later, so it can use it while cruising that's and cool. kind of shut off the the jet bit. So it's going maximum efficiency and just taking that um, excess thrust that it's not using and storing that energy that it can use later with an electric motor, which is quite a clever um, thing to do. I'm not sure what the efficiency gains would be, but it well, I think sounds it like comes. It could I mean, be quite but I think it comes down to what I was saying before about how those gains in efficiency really do translate to gains in profit because it's costing them a whole heap less, exactly. which means they can bring those Increase, price points, yes, points down. And it just I mean, I know travel. I've got a lot more in me if I if I could afford it, and especially if I wasn't feeling guilty about it. Because I think you know I've been saying I'm not curbing myself, but actually I am. There's a degree to which I could have taken a few more flights and I haven't. Um, like friends' fortieths or whatever, I was like, well, you know, I think I can skip that. But if if it's cheaper again, I it's know. like it's just harder for that. So I mean, it's it's really great to hear that there's some cool technology out there. But it, we still need well, it's twofold, isn't it? It's the governments who need to come in and and put Reflect those the fear true cost exactly, of it. and so that's something that we can't bring ourselves to do on a personal level. Yeah. So it's the governments, and then it's us as well, and making these 
resolves. Like it's incredible what you're saying about the Swedes. That despite it all, they yeah. are actually bringing down how much it they're flying. To, yeah, Good like on them. Globally, I just think that's so cool. Globally, aviation is going up so much, and they managed to bring it down four yeah. percent year on year. Uh, so, because I feel like we're probably going to get to offsetting quite soon. Yes. And just related to what you're saying, because I found one, and it wasn't a commonly held opinion, but it was, um, I think, some environmentalist researcher in the States, some scientist, and he was making a, an argument. And he's quite out there by himself, but he was saying that carbon offsetting for aeroplanes is probably doing more harm than good. Oh. What? <laughs> His thesis Why are you even saying was this mainly <laughs> centred around the fact that, you know, when you can... Um, pay eight bucks to offset it. Oh, I know what he's going to say. That whole guilt trap goes yes, away. So it's you like just... recycling, actually. I kind of get it now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it's the carbon offsetting is not solving the whole problem of what you're doing, but it feels like it is by paying that eight mm. bucks. Mm. You know, is it, mm. you feel like, oh, well, mm. now it's it's of neutral impact to the environment, and it isn't. That's yeah. not how well, it works. Well, I think we've taken so many trees away over the last 50 years that – with all basically a lot of the carbon offsetting programs are paying to plant trees and if you look at the carbon cycle all we're doing on the big picture is making a little start towards replanting some of the trees we've chopped down yeah it's like that doesn't mean that we've we've still got all of that extra carbon in the air from all the flying and you know all of the other things we've done with oil in the last hundred years yeah it's like we're just kidding ourselves yeah not to say don't offset your flights. Please do offset your flights. And I have to, I, I will put my hand up. This is very embarrassing, but I have not offset my flights until now, but I definitely will now. Because I just like, I didn't really understand how damaging flying Interesting. was. So I... This is probably, this would definitely be the worst thing I'm doing for the environment. Yeah, because they actually... Be I don't have a car. I'm now eating a plant-based diet. Like, by huge factors this must be overwhelmingly the worst thing i'm doing i I think so i think so because actually i mean to be honest i i was feeling a little bit guilty around the meat eating thing uh researching this because it seems that it's it's kind of a comparable thing so good for you with the veganism (laughs) (laughs) kind (laughs) of um yeah so off, offsetting, it's um, it's something that I do, and I I've I've read that it's something that most like most people don't do. That mm. I think it's single figure the people that do it, which means that there's oh, this. If you don't know what it is, sorry as well, because like so oh, yeah, in New Zealand makes it really yeah. easy, yeah. and I think Jetstar do it as well. There's basically there's a for a lot of airlines who subscribe to one of the programs, there's a box you can tick while you're booking your flights, which adds roughly about three percent of the flight cost um, to go to specific programs that have carbon. Um, so to give you some idea, it's it's usually less than five bucks. Like it's um for my New Zealand flights for domestic. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just so cheap. And so I that's I've always been like, how is it possible that something that's so damaging can be offset by something so cheap and then I just get so I mean this is probably my favorite part of what we're doing here in this podcast is just to connect people with um this easy I mean really this episode could have been three minutes if we wanted it to be this this isn't palm oil people it's as simple as man it's just fly less and offset Mm. and the offsetting is um like you say it's 
it's easy, but it's phenomenal how few people do it. Mm. So, um, Colmar went into a really cool report in New Zealand uh, around consumers and how they consume in a green way or how they don't consume in a green way. And from that, we know that it's about 90% of New Zealanders say that they are highly committed or, or mediumly committed to um, sustainable lifestyles, which and then you look at how many people are offsetting, mm. and it's just it's come the on, guys, thing, come like on, guys. One hundred percent pure NZ thing. It's yeah, like good label. Like we've labelled ourselves that, but it's just this is a really simple one, and it's almost painless, and the effects are huge. Like to offset your flight, mm. which with all those tons of carbon dioxide and all the other things you mentioned, just yeah. for a few dollars, yeah. like for the price of a coffee, like. It would be wonderful if they could absorb that cost into the ticket. So it's just, just add it though. This is my thing, right? I think, and I reckon it would take a law change to do this because I think for the airlines, it's too um, difficult from like a business model point it's of view. It's really do this. competitive. Competitive the pricing, yeah. You just say legally, flight like airliners have to incorporate into the cost of your ticket the carbon offset. Yeah, totally. You're not really going to notice it. You know, on a on a no, domestic no. flight, say on average seventy bucks, you pay an extra like four dollars. Yeah, it's just the credit card fee is about three fifty. Yeah, or that's something. right. We've managed to absorb that. Eh? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I just i I think because I know that you're a huge advocate for um, sort of consumer driven change and 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 consumer activism in terms of just buying differently and leading the charge that way. And I totally agree that that's a super powerful thing. With with the flying thing, I think it needs to be mandated to the airlines that, and it it doesn't. It also doesn't seem that complicated to me to go. You are now legally responsible for carbon offsetting your flights. Mm. Um, I guess probably the kickback would be why are we being singled out as an industry, particularly one that's not super profitable as a oh, you know, I think percentage they could answer versus that others. Question: It's <laughs> obvious. <laughs> Because uh, like you were saying, they, they're a huge um, com, uh, contributor to greenhouse gas. Yeah, huge. and they had, like, I think avia the reason, part of the reason why it's so cheap is because, um, as we mentioned earlier, jet fuel is either taxed very lowly or not at all. And the reason for that is because there's all of these wonderful economic outcomes that happen for a company's economy and GDP based on flight activity. So it's tourism, it's goods, it's all of the financial transactions that are happening a lot of that has a really close link to planes in the air. It's another reason why countries will always do anything they can to bail out their national carrier. It's like, there was a weird thing, I because le- I'm kind of novicely interested in economics, and I remember reading ages ago that when a country first gets set up as a proper nation state, one of the first ports of call is getting a national carrier, an airliner, it's huh. like a, it's like get a flag, get an anthem, get Aww. a national airliner. Especially if you're in Ireland. Why is that? Well, because oh, in like, Ireland, yeah. I think you said in Ireland. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you reckon that like governments should just tell them to that that has to oh, be part yes, of the price actually, of the ticket? Thank you for lobbing that back because I wanted to say that this is my position. Like I, I it's a both and and. Yes, the governments do need, like exactly, I totally agree with everything you said, the governments need to be legislating X, Y, Z to make it all happen and to make it a fair playing field for um, aviation companies that are wanting to offset. Um, It's just that as consumers, we are so quick 
to shift the responsibility if we're looking for mm. an excuse. So it's it's yes, the governments need to be doing this, um, and I'll support them in any way that I can. But it doesn't mean that I can say as an individual, oh, it's terrible, the government should be doing this. And therefore, until they do, I'm going to keep flying and, and, you know, like most people not bother offsetting. So that's that's where it's at for me. I totally agree that, um, you know, a lot of these things need to be led by government and industry. Totally. But it doesn't mean we don't have uh, power. Oh, yeah, it is own. actually. I guess it's what I'm saying. It's a responsibility and a power. It's yeah. not just sort of some sort of pious responsibility. It's yeah. like actually it can all just boil down to us. Like like the Swedes, just they actually are just doing it. Yeah, they are. Mm. Um, as far, um, I hope I got this stat right. <laughs> so much hanging on there. <laughs> Did you want to hear kind of a slightly off-the-wall solution that's been proposed by an outfit in the UK? Yes. So there's this organisation, like a lobby group, um, of a, of a bunch of environmentalists who are trying to offer solutions for aviation, the damage that it's doing. Um, they're called a free ride. And what they're proposing is that to acknowledge the fact that, you know, all of the reasons that we've mentioned flying is kind of really cool and enjoyable and sort of important to a lot of people's lives so what they're advocating for is that everyone gets one tax-free return flight per year but if you fly more than once a year you start paying a levy on your flights which specifically that money gets put towards um, environmental uh, solutions to offset the emissions that the aviation industry is producing and the more that you fly the higher that the higher the levy goes, so it actually starts stacking and increasing. Love it. Um, and that was reflective of the fact. I oh no, I did write it down. Here we go. Reflective of the fact that in the UK, seventy percent of flights are taken by fifteen percent of people. Hmm. So there's just a few people who are taking the vast majority of all of this, all these flights, all these plane rides. Do you think we're in that category? That's I the golden am, question, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. I'm in the. 10% or something. The wealthy Probably. elite. Yeah. Well, I do it for work. <laughs> you know? So it's uh it's a complicated relationship. But anyway, it's um I think you know, there's I it love seems that. like That's a great. wacky solution, but I I think there's really there's some good there's some good stuff behind it. And if you want to see more about that, I'll put some uh, a link for them as well in the show notes. So that's um a free ride. Biofuels I just wanted to mention because I had hit across that a few times. So Air New Zealand was actually, they made um, some historic flight, I think in 2010, using a specific kind of biofuel and they've been quite hot on that as a technology. Because um, I know there'd be some people who are saying that that's, that's a solution in the future. Um, biofuels, really complicated environmental story. So generally speaking, there was some... Um, quite like complicated research that's gone on into trying to drill down into how environmentally friendly biofuels are and the way that we're producing them currently they're actually a net negative because so many fossil fuels go into the production of the biofuel and that's done by things like so you'll grow an enormous monocrop of something like corn to produce the the biofuel and so you've got all the pesticides going in and uh, all of the energy costs that are done to to grow the corn as much as it is and then extracting and processing and all of that and it actually you have a greater environmental impact than if you had just used petroleum mm. so it, the, like it's one of those things where there might there are definitely methods 
way better methods to get biofuels, but the way that we're producing them currently is really bad. Yeah, so it's like they're not not, not the magic bullet. It's not the magic bullet currently, and you know, I think realistically, un- unfortunately, biofuels are probably going to be a bit of a greenwashing thing. Where people will go, no, we're using biofuel. And it's like, yeah, but if you look at the bigger picture of it, it's actually not nearly as environmentally friendly as you think. And later down the track as well, and this is, this is again, my nerd flag flying, like <laughs> the electrification of transport is a big thing. And we've seen that come into cars now and they're actually like getting popular. Um, you know, every car manufacturer now has a pretty popular um, battery operated yep. car, electric car. And uh, airplanes aren't there yet, um, and they won't be for a while, unfortunately. Um, mm, I've heard that too. That it's they are it's the kahunas, cap- and it's it'll be, they can't just chuck an electric engine in. Exactly, it'll be the final. Th- well, maybe um, huge big uh, cargo ships in the water, but apart from that, airplanes will be the last thing that could get because it, it requires such a huge capacity of energy to be stored mm. to take it on these big long-haul flights, so it's not really an option. So that, I only mention those things to illustrate why it's important to try to fly less I, and to yeah. offset where you can yeah. because it's these... what I was thinking too. It's like... The, the magical things yeah. on the horizon, yeah. like... They're not that magical. They appear to not be so magical when you actually look into them. Yeah. Yeah, Not and I think super viable. I can come across as a bit anti-technology too, because I will always bring up that same line about how it's really our mindset and the values that we're applying to these things. So if if we did get some of those things happening in the future, it's like we've still got to wrestle with these really basic things around how much we will be consuming, and if if. Let's say if we could have a biofuel that was sustainable or whatever, it doesn't mean like it's just more complicated than we're often willing to acknowledge. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're just talking abstractly now anyway. But, but it, it is yeah. more complicated, but it's also the solutions are often more simple as well. It's just like just consume less. Yeah. Well, shit. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fly less. Yeah. Is that, that that's is it. The tip it's for just, this it one. is. It's just fly less. Like I said, this could have been a three minute podcast. It yeah. is just so simple. Just fly and less and offset. Obviously, you know, that comes with all the caveats of, you know, people aren't going to go missing funerals and stuff that are out of town or weddings or whatever. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. But it is, it's just one more of those things to kind of have in your head. And it's really important to know the picture, even if you can't make an immediate impact on something. Like we've still, you, we can't be shying away from the realities of what we're doing to the planet at the moment. Even if. So flying might be one of those ones for you where you can't actually do anything differently yourself. I think it's still really important for people to know and be armed with that information. Yeah. Um, because maybe later down the track, everyone knowing can lead to government action. Exactly. You know, for yeah. example. Yeah. And it's it's sort of drops in the that consciousness bucket too. It does. Because it's like, this is, this is something that I've been wanting to get on top of for a while and um, I feel like I'm ready now to... Um, take some steps like you like probably don't want to put put anything sort of definite around it because it is something that like you say if it's a funeral or something you you want to be able to have that flexibility um but it's just about I guess like the Swedes just bringing it in and, and reducing rather than um expanding when actually flights are getting cheaper and yeah and we've got that option too but also thought um just on a practical note might be good to do some shout outs to the um 
carbon footprinting tools that we used. Absolutely. Yeah. So we used, it was Enviromark, um, which is a New Zealand um, one, which is great actually because so many of the ones I looked at were for overseas. So um, That one was so good to use. Yeah, it it's was. It's great. They've just got like every airport on earth and you just go, is it a domestic flight or an international flight? Is it return? Or one yeah. way. And then they've just got all the airports. Yeah. It's and, really simple. And for domestic, I thought, oh, they're not going to have great barrier, but they did. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they were great. And the cool thing about them is that, because I had never, I mean, well, it's been in the vague consciousness that you can offset for things other than flying. But I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. But anyway, using their calculator, I realized that the second half of it is once they've told you what your emission is, then they give you an option to be able to offset it. Oh, choice. Mm. So like they connect you directly with some tools so you can basically hand over your credit card and sort that it out. That is my understanding. I That's didn't so finish cool. that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other one is future fit. When I say the other one, I think there's there's you know quite a few options out there, but Future Fit is an actual Auckland based one. Well, New Zealand based, but again, it's like so good to like the way we farm our meat and the way we have our energy in New Zealand, with it mostly being hydro. We are really quite different, and the you know the, our isolation. So the way if something's coming in from overseas, it will have a higher carbon footprint. We've got genuinely quite a different construct of mm. the way things work here. So it's really good to be able to use a New Zealand based carbon footprint calculator. So we will throw those uh, links be, into the show notes. Yes, absolutely. You just click on the description. But just fly less, as we say. Yeah. We're going to try to. Fly too. less, I offset. <laughs> yeah, we need to obviously keep ourselves accountable to this, don't we? Yeah, Check we'll in again. In. Yeah. And, and try and change your mindset for what a holiday is as well. Especially, like we said, if you live in New Zealand. We're so spoiled here. It's from so where you'd rather be. Go to the beach. Go to the other side of the island that you're on. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right, we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a rating. Um, share us around on social media. That would be super helpful. Tell your mates we exist. And we will see you in the next episode. See ya. Thanks again to our wonderful sponsor, Atik. Atik are a zero-waste beauty company dedicated to ridding the world of plastic waste. Woo. Get yourself or someone you love some Atik products from atikworld.com.